0: You're listening to The Bible Guys Podcast. I'm your host, Devin Ferguson, along with Professors Jerry Hollinger and Rick Kleinert. The Bible Guys is a podcast focused on knowing God better through what He has written. You can find out more by following us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at BibleGuysPod. You can also contact us via email at Podcast at gmail.com. Well, welcome, guys. Uh, we are back here with another episode. I, I have my Dunkin' Donuts iced coffee. I am caffeinated. I'm ready to, to, to talk to start this episode off. How are you guys doing today? Hey, doing man. great.
1: Doing good. I just got my Bible Guys mug in the mail this week. Um, I ordered it at the beginning. When we first launched the store, I, got, I ordered it. And I ordered my daughter some, you know, the Bible guy stickers and things like that. The mm-hmm. stickers all came, but my mug was missing and I finally got it. Um, I was very, I'd actually contacted the post office already and oh they're like, goodness. we don't know where it is. I was about ready to contact the Bible guy store. And t- to identify myself, I was going to say, if you look to the right side of the mug, that's me. And so I was just wondering <laughs> if we could get the Bible guys, but it's in uh, man. Coffee tastes so much better in that thing um it's kind of like drinking out of the the chicago cubs mug the day after they won the world series the coffee just tasted much better Mm, there we go
0: it's good to be here well hey if any of our listeners out there want some bible guys merch you can follow that link it's in our instagram uh it's in our bio so follow that link get your merch get your you know your socks and your your cups your mugs your stickers put them on your laptop and things like that so perfect perfect well, today uh, we actually have a question or question from a listener, and uh, it's referring to the rapture and just sort of, uh, you know, what is the rapture? Uh, what are what are the exegetical grounds for the rapture? Um, and so that's what I think that we're going to be discussing today.
2: Yeah, before we get into it, I think we should say, and I don't think this is the motive of the listener, but because of what's going on in the in the world today, there seems to have been an increase in interest in prophecy. And I think we should just say at the outset that what's going on today has nothing to do with biblical prophecy. Uh, These events are not related to the, the end times per se. They're not signs of the end. So I want to make sure that we discuss this not from a panicked viewpoint, but but rather this is just a part of the scripture and it's just something we want to get a handle on.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you said that because there's lots of memes out there and, uh, statements being made about how 2020 is going. And, um, then I, but I haven't heard. Um, so for example, when, when I was a kid, um, we started talking about the book of revelation, the, the demon locusts in that one section, um, I was always taught. I had. A, I remember a teacher teaching me one time that that was the Apache helicopters that were right. big and pro. You remember that? Um, Absolutely. I haven't heard that apply to murder hornets uh, quite yet. Um, but I'm glad you meant. I'm glad you let's kill that whole thing. That sounded so jerky. Let me just. Let me just start with my statement here. I'll just pick back up. Um, I'm glad you said that, Jerry, because um, there there is an interest in that. Matter of fact, I saw something recently. Um, on social media, um, from a, a friend of mine who uh, is would be considered maybe post-trib, which we'll explain what that means in a minute, and uh, his 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 post was, "Man, I'm really hoping pre-trib is right," uh, as as he's talking about the things we're facing. Again, but like you said, there's what we're facing right now isn't the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Uh, it's a it's really an example of. Just living in a, a sin-cursed world,
2: um, right? I mean, ever since the beginning of time, there have been societal issues. There have been um, wars. There's been disease. These, you know, I mean, that's as you said, that's just part of living in a fallen world. Yeah. And we want to be careful not to read the headlines into the Bible. Mm. And so we want to be careful there. But, but I think other than that disclaimer. A good place to start is just to define what we mean by the term rapture.
0: So, yeah the uh, the term rapture uh, is is a term that is used uh, not really as this idea of ecstasy, but more like an event that happens where Christ uh, removes the church from the world, uh, you know, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air is sort of sort of the um, the phrase from where, which we get rapture
2: it's essentially just a theological term and and as you said it's the now rick likes to get more violent with this it's a yeah a, a remove it's a forcible removal of the church from the world yeah when i teach this
1: to students when I, when I teach this in my classes i like to because they're so familiar with the term rapture i prefer to use the term snatching it just keeps them awake uh in <laughs> class when i say okay now when this, when christ snatches the church it just it, they just it just gets their attention.
2: Yeah, so the church is removed from the world, they and they go to be with Christ. And there are a lot of people that agree with that. And in fact, most theologians do. Really, the issue typically of debate is when does this event occur? And on that, there have been numerous views over the years.
1: Yeah, so maybe it's best that we go ahead and start talking about what those are uh, before we kind of give hours and the reason why behind it. Um, our plan is to, um, kind of really just talk about today what it is and, um, when it, when we see in scripture that it is occurring. And then on another podcast next week, we'll talk more about, um, some objections to it. So let's kind of, let's start with that idea of, of, the, the major views and depending on the time period. I mean, there, there's, there's some added all the time. Um, yeah, but, um and we didn't really talk about this before, but some might see three views. Um, They're they're really actually five views. Um, So if we could, let's do the five views of those. Um, So let's start, let's let's, uh, start with the beginning one. The first view is what's called um, pre-tribulational rapture or what is called pre-trib. The pre-tribulational view of the rapture is that there's a period of time that is prophesied in scripture in the old Testament and, Discuss in the book of Revelation of a period of tribulation, um, seven and a half, or sorry, seven years, two periods of three and a half years, seven years of tribulation that are uh, prophesied to come to the world, and that the rapture of the church will happen prior to that event, taking the church out uh, before that period, that tribulation period happens on the planet.
2: Yeah, and one thing that's interesting about the pre-trib view, I think a lot of people assume that immediately after the rapture occurs, the tribulation will begin, and it is entirely possible that the two would be very closely related temporally. However, there's really nothing to demand that in Scripture. It's quite possible that the rapture could occur, and there could be a lengthy period of time before God starts the tribulation. I really don't think the Bible says necessarily how closely connected they are even though they may seem logically connected but you know you could have the rapture according to this view and maybe then there would be a period of time where things then would develop which would then issue into the tribulation period right so um but yeah the pre-trib is is a common view another common view is the post-tribulation view and as the name suggests, the rapture would occur after or post-tribulation. There are different variations among post-tribulationists, so I don't think it's really necessary to go into those. But but basically, mm-hmm. the, the rapture occurs toward the end of, as you said, the seven-year period. That's also a common view, and I think it's probably gaining even more traction today.
1: I would agree with that too, and the post-trib view, and, and like you said, there's different variations, but really it kind of can be boiled down to the idea that the post-trib view sees the second coming of Christ to the earth and Christ's snatching of the church as almost one event, um, that the church leaves, meets the Lord in the air, and then joins him as he comes down to earth. Um, that that view uh, is, that, that's in a nutshell, the idea of it.
2: Yeah. And that's a good clarification. That That is, I think, the essence yeah.
1: of it. And then you have the mid-trib view, uh, which, as the name suggests, happens in the middle of the tribulation, that you have a period of three and a half years, and then in the middle, before the what's sometimes referred to as the, the, the great tribulation, the last three and a half years, um, Christ will return, uh, or Christ will snatch his church away at that time, uh, so that his church goes through the first parts of the trib, but doesn't go through... What's commonly seen as the more serious, dangerous parts, if you want to use that terminology.
2: And then another view, which I associate very closely with the post trib view, is known as the pre wrath view. And this really gained traction in the 90s, early 90s. And the idea here is that there is a distinction between man's wrath and God's wrath. And pre wrath rapturists divide the seven-year tribulation into three parts. And they argue that part three of the tribulation is the period of God's wrath. And so when they say they are pre-wrath, what they are saying is the church is removed from the world before God's wrath begins to be poured out. So that can be very similar to post-tribulation, but post-tribulationism. But that's another option that has been put on the table.
1: And then the fifth view, which the one I was thinking, the last view I was thinking of, uh, is not really gained a lot of traction in, in over the last few decades. It's it's almost become a joke. Uh, we, well, I don't I mean it this way. Like it's become a punchline. Um, it's called the partial rapture view. Uh, the partial rapture view comes from a from an understanding of Matthew twenty five, the the parable of the ten virgins that um, you weren't watching and waiting. If you weren't prepared when Christ returns, you missed that opportunity, but you may get him on his next come around. So like that Christ returns multiple times throughout the tribulation until finally. So it's kind of like pre-trib, mid-trib, post-trib, all of it together, but he comes at various times and whether you go or not, is dependent on if you were prepared, if you were ready. Um, Mm -hmm. So the idea of watching and waiting is a term. I say it's become a punchline because um, maybe it's just in my circles. Well, if I show up in a room and like a lot of people are missing, uh, I might make the joke of partial rapture. What happened? And and I'm noticing it's not good, doesn't have a lot of steam now because no one gets the joke, or I'm just right. telling a bad This it's not just a dad joke. It's a Bible Bible teacher dad joke, which is a double negative, uh, and and it just goes bad. Okay,
2: so. Qu- that's what I always think when I can't find my wife. I'm thinking the same thing. She must have been raptured and I wasn't.
1: And yeah, that, that's dangerous because that could have been any. That could have been any of those views, you know? It, it you just all
2: that. Since I can't, since I don't know how to count, there's actually another view that just oh. came to mind. There's a sense in which every theological perspective believes in a rapture, and even. Some will will say, oh, I don't believe in a rapture, but they do believe in a resurrection, and they will almost talk about rapture passages, and they'll even use the term rapture, and they'll apply it to bodily resurrection. So they wouldn't quite define the term as we are defining it, but really, if you take Scripture seriously, you have to have some kind of rapture event whether it involves the church at different times, or simply a resurrection of the saints.
0: Right? Yeah, that that was my question. Uh, are there Christians that, you know, we've given views of the rapture, um, but are there people that, that believe that there is no rapture? Um,
2: yeah, I mean, you can look at, for example, uh, Michael Horton, whom I teaches at Westminster, I love Michael Horton, I, I love to read his books, and he'll talk about not believing in a rapture, but I think he's thinking in terms of how we're defining it. But then you'll have other people like Anthony Hoekema in his book, Bible in the Future, who is a covenant, who is an amillennialist, and he will argue that there is a rapture, and he'll use the term, but then he'll define it as a resurrection. But but I think the spirit of the question we were asked has to do with the rapture and probably the timing, which, again, is the big discussed event.
1: Yeah. So uh, maybe we should start with laying out what it is that our view is and why we chose that view or why we lean to that view uh, as opposed to the other. Things. So l- let, m- let me start, if I could. I, yeah, when I, please. When, when I teach this, um, I'll just go ahead and throw my put, put my cards on the table and explain why I did that. I hold to the the pre-trib view of the rapture, but I, I kind of define myself as I'm pre-trib, but I'm post-trib friendly. Now, here's why I mean here's why I'm saying that because we've talked before uh, here in in this group in this uh, the Bible guys, uh, Devin, you're the linguist, um, you know Jerry, you're the the hermeneutic guy, and and I like the culture stuff. There is an argument, one of the oppositions, I would say, to um, the pre-trib rapture view is the view that um, when Paul speaks about we'll meet the Lord in the air um, in 1 Thessalonians 4:17, that it's there is a historical understanding of that passage that when a conquering general or a conquering king would come into a newly conquered land, those who were favored or favored that king or, and wanted him to take over would go out, meet him, and then ride in with him as a part of his entourage. Um, so we do have support for that. So, um, and that's the view held by the post-trib view. They, said, they say that that's what, Paul, that's what Paul is talking about in First Thessalonians 4:17. Not that he's going to come and snatch the church away, and then there's a period of tribulation later, but rather it's the same time as his coming. So I say I'm post-trib friendly. If I wasn't a pre-trib person, then I'm going to be a post-trib guy because of the evidence seems... So pre-trib is my, my A game, like that's what I really see the text saying, but if that's not true, then the text says B, you know, the the, the post review. But the preacher view does handle the text. I'm gonna say it this way: the text lends itself to it, um, and I want to avoid saying that the preacher view handles the text better because you never want a theological system to handle a text. You want to get your theological system from the text. The a plain reading of scripture, literal plain reading seems to favor the pre tribute um based on first Corinthians 15, um 1 Thessalonians 4, and I would even add uh the understanding of Revelation chapter 4, specifically the, you know, the passage before the throne.
2: Yeah, um that's interesting you brought up the term meet in 1 Thessalonians 4. And that is one of the most common Scholarly objections to pre-tribulationism, and I'd really love to hit that in our next podcast mm-hmm. um, because I think that that objection needs to be dealt with. But I like you; uh, I I favor the pre-trib view, and there are a number of reasons that I could give for that. Let me just kind of hit my main biblical ones and and I'll I'll put these together this does not exhaust them but I think these are some of the key ones the first is in 1st 1 Thessalonians 1:10 1 where Paul is actually thanking God for the Thessalonians and he's indicating one of the things he's thanking God for is that he had been hearing certain things about the Thessalonians and one of the things he had heard was that these people had a reputation for looking for a deliverer who would deliver them from the coming wrath. And I take it that the coming wrath there is a reference to the tribulation, and they are looking for one. It's actually a participle there. Um, they are looking for the one who will deliver them from that period. A second key passage is in First Thessalonians 5, And in 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul indicates that in verse 2, he is discussing the topic of the day of the Lord. Mm -hmm. And the day of the Lord is a very common concept, and it deals with, among other things, not exclusively so, but it deals with, among other things, a future period of God's wrath. And if you drop down to verse 9, Paul says that, um, the Thessalonians would experience salvation, and I always tell people when you see the word salvation, read uh, deliverance. And he says in verse nine to them, God did not appoint us to wrath, and in the text we already know what the wrath is. It's the day of the Lord, day of the Lord's wrath but to obtain salvation, or that is to obtain deliverance from. So he tells them in five nine that you are going to be delivered from the coming wrath, which he has defined as the day of the Lord. So those are two key passages in my understanding of this whole issue.
1: Yeah, and before we move on from that, um, and I know we're going to talk about common objections uh, next week, but... This is an argument that I use as uh, one of those passages of, of the plain reading, um, because some will say, "Well, Paul's talking about the same thing here. He's saying the day of the Lord and the sna- the snatching, or the the rapture. They're the same thing." However, the there's a there's a purpose behind Paul writing First Thessalonians. He's he's even says it. Hey, you've had false teachers come in and tell you that you've missed it or that something's going on with the day of the Lord. That that you you weren't aware of. They've had false teachers come in and teach them improperly. So now he's coming in to correct their misunderstanding. He uses that phrase: "I don't want you to be ignorant or uninformed of all this stuff." Mm-hmm. Um, so he he describes it and gives them gives them details. And in order to clear up confusion, he he's trying to show that these are this this event doesn't work the way they're thinking. It's like, for example if I was going to help them understand the difference between or if I was going to explain that the day of the Lord and the rapture were the same thing, uh, I'd put them together. But he does them separately. He puts one first and then he starts talking about the day of the Lord. Uh, It's kind of like if I was going to clarify how to teach you how to bake a cake, I would go in order of steps. I wouldn't tell you to, you know, cut the cake before you've ever put the ingredients together, even baked it. So he's trying to, since he's trying to clarify a confusion, it makes sense that he's going to put them in the order in which he sees them as coming.
2: Yeah, and um, you make several good points there. One of them that really stands out, if you look at all of the biblical data on the day of the Lord, and there is a ton of it, there's a ton of it in the Old Testament. It's mentioned several times in the New Testament the the day of the lord is a period of time it is not an event like the rapture of the churches as we said the rapture of the church is that event of the removal or the snatching away of the church that is much different than a period of the outpouring of divine wrath so i think for one to try to equate the two really just does not fit the evidence moreover as you point out one of the reasons, one of the major reasons he writes first the Thessalonians and then second Thessalonians is he is dealing with error that has crept in to the church. And one of the errors has to do with eschatology. And in chapter four, you pointed out in verse thirteen, they were ignorant concerning the ones who were sleeping. And then evidently, more false teaching had crept in about the day of the Lord because then he writes the second epistle, and these people are absolutely panicked that they are in the day of the lord and the reason they are panicked is because paul had taught them in the first letter they would not be in the day of the lord which he had said in chapter 5 and then in the second letter he has to then correct that and he says this is why you can't be in in the day of the lord so um again thessalonians is a key body of material that really helps at least persuade me of the pre-trib position.
0: Awesome, guys. Well, I think um, this gives some great foundation to what we're talking about. It defines our terms, lets us know uh, the different views and sort of our position. Next week, we're going to be talking about different objections that people have to the rapture, specifically the pre-tribulational rapture. And please don't forget to subscribe. Give us a good rating on your favorite podcasting listening service.